0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community,
1: their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras.
0: Hello folks, uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends. I'm your host, Cal Ross and I'm really excited and delighted to be introducing you to a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Gemma Brown. Gemma is an independent graphic designer and, and an avid salsa dancer. In this episode, we talk about her celebrating 11 years cancer-free after having stage 4 cancer not once, but twice. She has also founded a group called the Seattle Super Huggers in hopes of healing people one hug at a time. This is one of those incredible interviews and very inspiring uh, conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So pull up a chair and listen in. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Gemma Brown. Hello, uh, good evening, Gemma. Welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really uh, glad and delighted that you took some time to be on this program. And uh, let me start off by saying uh, my first impressions of you. It was uh, almost three years ago when we met. And uh, that was at this uh, beautiful, eclectic uh a cultural center in uh, Wallingford Seattle it was the ohm uh, center and uh, and that's where we met uh, and one of the first things that stood out for me uh, was just your positive energy and your presence and your enthusiasm and as i got to know you better and uh, learned about your spiritual practice and uh, and your incredible journey uh, of your fight against cancer and how you uh, really uh, Uh, came out of that uh, with such uh, so so much strength, and you've been like a role model for the community. That was so inspiring, and I knew that uh, yours is a story that uh, our audience would like to hear, and so I wanted to uh, have you on the show, and uh, so thank you for taking the time to be on the show, and welcome.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Great. Uh, So Gemma, one of the uh, ways that we kick off our show is by asking our guest is what is your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by and how have you applied it to your life?
1: Well, that's a really easy one and it's very simple and it's that very old quote, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So no matter what circumstance I'm in I really try to live by that you know I mean even if I'm in a bad mood or somebody is just not living up to my expectations we all deserve to be treated with kindness I would want to be treated with kindness you know whether I'm in a good space or a bad space or struggling or positive you know so I think that's the philosophy I really do try to live by
0: now that's so great and I I think it's definitely a platinum rule do unto others uh, what you want uh, them to do unto you and uh, that's so great. Now looking at your bio Gemma, I know that you're an independent graphic designer and uh, you also are an avid salsa dancer and a health nut and I want to get to that here in a bit but uh, what I'm curious about here is uh, what's how how did this journey regarding graphic design begin for you? Is that something that you always knew you wanted to do, or how did that come about for you?
1: Um, well, to be totally honest, it was it was something I wanted to do, but it was sort of an accident. Um, I grew up in New York City, and the high school that was my local school, like the public school, like if everybody just went because it's in in the neighborhood. It was overcrowded and there was a lot of fighting going on. It just wasn't a great school. And there were several schools in the city that were vocational schools that were also public schools. So I took a test. I had to go and take a drawing test for the high school of art and design. And I got accepted and I just dove in. I felt so lucky to be there and have that great experience. And you know, we just did art almost all day. So that was what started my career, and then I got an internship at a design studio in the city for after school and in the summertime, and then from then, I went on to the Portfolio Center in Atlanta, and after that, I started my career, so I've been doing it ever since high school.
0: Great. That's so awesome. So... um is there anything specific about uh, this profession that calls to you, that speaks to you? Because one of the questions that uh, we often get from our audience is, how do we identify our purpose in life or how do we identify our passion or a profession in life? And so what would you say for somebody who is out there looking to find out what their passion is, what their purpose is? Uh, is there, is there anything uh, that comes to mind for you that uh, that kind of you knew that this was it that you always wanted
1: to do? You know, I'm not sure that I can say that that was it that I always wanted to do, but I enjoyed it a lot. I'm very creative and visual, and I'm also kind of a closet writer. My father was a writer, and he probably had me playing Scrabble since I could talk or something. So anyway, I really love words and I love visuals and coming up with things that, that touch people. In you know, in a good way, and I think lately, the last maybe I don't know how many, probably since I had uh, the cancer, I've really decided my passion is around health and well-being. So I'm always on the lookout for clients that promote health and well-being. I'm much more happy these days doing graphics and design and and advertising for those kind of companies rather than just you know a lot of the high tech. And I'm here in the Silicon Valley and surrounded by all kinds of high tech companies. But I'm really, really wanting to, you know, be doing with
0: my passion a little bit more. Now, that is uh, that's such a, uh, thank you for sharing that. And that's such an, in, an amazing insight here because one of the books that uh, I read a long time ago was by Jim Collins called uh, Good to Great. And in that book, he talks about uh, the three circles, so the The three questions that an organization or an individual can ask themselves to identify their core competency or the zone of genius, if you will. And the first question is, you know, what is what are your strengths? What is it that you really uh, really uh, enjoy doing? And what are your skill sets? And then the second question is, you know, what are you passionate about? Uh, And then the third question is, you know, what's your economic engine? And so combining those three questions is where you can start looking at identifying your zone of genius. And it seems like, uh, you've combined your, uh, love for graphic designing and then health and, and also being in the right place. Uh, as you said, Silicon Valley. I mean, that's such a, a hub for high tech companies. So, uh, that's, that's so great. I know that, uh, You also founded a group while in Seattle called the Seattle Super Huggers (laughs) in hopes of healing people one hug at a time. Uh, Could you share a little bit about that?
1: Um, Sure. Um, I've been part of the Fremont Arts Council. I was part of that group for 15 years and helped put on all kinds of large-scale community events, including the Celsius Parade that happens every June. And um, I always came up with some wacky idea of a float or this or that. And after I had spent some time in the hospital in 2006, I just really saw that so many people, older people, they're just there by themselves. And they didn't have very many visitors, whereas my friends were just like coming nonstop to the hospital. So I was so fortunate. But I just felt terrible for all the people that just were there day in and day out. Maybe their families lived in other cities and they couldn't get there or whatever the reason. But I noticed how many people were really lonely and touch deprived. So um, when the parade came around, I talked to a couple of friends and said, let's be, you know, free hugs. But I want to have outfits because we'll look more believable and approachable. So we had red capes that we decorated with white hearts. And I made this huge banner that spread across the street with red fabric with white hearts. We had superhero outfits. And we would approach the crowd and just say, who wants a hug? Anyway, the first year, I thought, maybe I'll have a few people. We ended up with 48 people, including a guy in a wheelchair. I don't know where he came from. He was somebody's friend. And he had an outfit on. Wow. So we were a big hit. Everybody loved it. And the second year, I got approached by so many more people. We had 78 people the second year. We built a float. Um, There was people with signs saying, hug me, so they knew we were coming. Anyway, it was great. And they are still going, even though um, I left Seattle a couple years ago. That group is still going. That is so great. That is so great. Aside from that, I would love to dress up on Valentine's Day, and I would go to the nursing homes and hug the people and, Bring cookies. Some of my friends would make cookies, and I bring them. And one time, I randomly went to a grocery store on Valentine's and walked up and down the aisles hugging people. <laughs> yes, I'm a little bit nutty, but you know we need hugs. So there
0: you have it. No, I I completely agree. I think uh, yeah, especially in the Western culture. I mean, there is uh, certainly uh, people. Uh, a lot of people are deprived deprived of touch, and I think uh, hugging is something that. Uh, gives them a sense of comfort, if you will. Is that is that your uh, thought process? That what what does hugging
1: provide in your view? Does that yeah, it raises your oxytocin. It makes you just feel good and grounded and appreciated and positive. It's got so many good effects.
0: Yeah, and it certainly provides healing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I want to get into like a little bit of uh, your childhood, uh, Gemma. So. Growing up in New York, as you said, whom did you idolize growing up? And uh, and the other question I'm curious about is what did your parents do and how did that shape your life?
1: Um, well, let's see. I don't know that I idolized anybody as a child. I don't think I did. Maybe my mother. Um, my mother was an interior designer and she was in the workforce and put herself through school way back before I think it was popular for women to do that and my father was a copywriter. So I grew up in a pretty creative household. Mm -hmm. My mother loved to make things. We always had projects going on. She made me really great clothing, and our walls were pink and purple with stickers on them and Peter Max posters. So I had a pretty eclectic childhood. And oddly, my brother, out of the whole family, he went to law school. (laughs) So I guess he was rebelling.
0: (laughs) No, so so the the creative household is seems like where you got your inspiration. You go to uh, the graphic design school. It seems like, so I don't know if you had a chance to watch uh, the Mad Ma- Mad Men show on television. I think it's a, it's it's basically about the 60s and the advertising industry and copywriting and, uh, but it's a fascinating show. Uh,
1: Yeah, I can't say I don't have a television, so... Okay, all right. I think there's more fun things to do in life than watch TV, so... I
0: couldn't couldn't agree more. No, I couldn't agree more. It's got its... uh, Definitely, it's got its purpose. So, I want to get to this uh, question where... What were one or two biggest challenges that you faced in your life? And how did you overcome it? And how have those lessons... How do you navigate life?
1: Okay, well, I will start with my first humongous challenge. When I was 12 years old and my brother was eight, my mother went to sleep one night and had a stroke in her sleep and didn't make it. So overnight, without saying goodbye, I lost my mother. And I had to pretty much become, you know, take her role, take the housewife role at the age of 12. And I had to cook and take care of my brother and, you know, do a lot of things that... I had no idea that was on my plate at that young age. While all my other friends were out playing handball and frisbee in in the park, I was, you know, trying to figure out how to take care of my household. So that was a huge challenge, and I'm going to have to say that the outcome is I'm very independent. There's not much I won't try to do on my own. Of course, it's always nice to have some help, but I'm just used to doing a lot of things on my own. And, you know, to emotionally heal and adjust, to...
0: That whole situation. Mm. No, so that, that that must have been uh, quite a challenging uh, journey for a 12-year-old to uh, really take on household responsibilities when watching all the all your friends uh, play frisbee and having a good time, and you really shouldering the responsibility of the family. So uh, that definitely must uh, have provided you with. A sense of uh, responsibility and uh, skill set that I'm sure has uh, aided you as you continue your journey through your career and life. Uh, so, I wanted to get into uh, your challenge with cancer, and uh, but before I do that, uh, I wanted to ask you about your hobbies and interests besides uh, salsa dancing. I know uh, you've been uh, salsa dancing for many years now and uh, what I'm curious about, Gemma, is how did the love of salsa dancing come about for you? Is that something that you knew you wanted to salsa dance or did you go take classes or how did that happen for you?
1: Um, Well, the girl who was my best friend since we were in first grade, her mother This was in New York across the street from me. Her mother was living with a Latino man and they had salsa parties quite often. They had the music going all the time. So even though I was only like 13, 14, I was over there, I'd spend the night, stay at these parties. So I've always heard the music and growing up in New York City, you know, the music was coming out the windows when I was young, everywhere. So I just guess I grew up hearing it and I never really learned to dance it until about 1999 in Seattle, I stumbled upon some classes and decided I think I'm gonna learn for real. So, um, yeah, so I've been dancing for 17, 18 years now, and I'm addicted, definitely
0: addicted, so much fun. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more salsa dancing is indeed so much fun, and, and you're a fan of Cuban salsa dancing, isn't that correct?
1: Yeah, I do everything, but I, I studied with a woman in Seattle, anyone who's listening gets a chance, her name is Mayansi Sanchez, And she is a treasure. She grew up in Cuba in a family that was, her father had um, the premier ballet company in Cuba. He's um, very famous. And she probably fell out of the womb dancing, literally. Um, So I learned a lot from her, not just how to dance, but how to hear the music, all the genres, the history. So it just makes the music so much more special to me, knowing all these different aspects. So that was really fun to study with. Ah,
0: uh, that's great, and we're gonna include uh, that information in our show notes in case people want to find out more about salsa dancing. So, Gemma, I want to get into uh, your story about celebrating eleven years cancer-free. Congratulations on that! Yay! <laughs> and uh, so, tell us about that journey. How did that? Uh, how did that come about, and what was it like? And walk us through that. Uh, it was
1: surreal. Period. <laughs> it's like one day I've taken care of my health forever. I haven't had red meat since I was 16. I eat super healthy food all, always. Um, and then trying to think. So 2006, I went out one night to a Mexican restaurant and I ate too much food, as it's easy because they give you all those chips and you just keep eating them. So I came home and I didn't feel well. My stomach hurt. And then a couple days later, it was really hurting so i finally went to a doctor after four days i thought well it's not food poisoning it's something else and i was so clueless because i had no real symptoms so they did a scan and they rushed me the same day to the emergency room and said we have to operate right now and i honestly thought i ate a bad burrito so i didn't know what are you operating on so it turned out i had this huge tumor in my stomach and all this other stuff they took out a bunch of parts I had cancer in my liver, my lymph nodes, my stomach. It was just like everywhere. It was crazy. And they said, well, you have stage four cancer. You probably have three months to live. And I honestly thought they were talking to the wrong patient. I said, can I see your clipboard? Is this me? So it was really kind of surreal. So the first night, obviously, I was like completely stressed out. And then after that, I just decided, you know what? I've had a meditation practice my whole life. And I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to see if I can be in the moment and feel that love that's in there and not spin out in my mind about what hasn't happened yet. Because that's where your mind wants to go, oh, what if in three months? And, you know, you want to just go down that road of panic. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go down that road. Maybe I'll be here. Maybe I won't. I made peace with it. I acknowledge that I've had an amazing life so far. And, you know, we don't know when our end is, who can predict? We don't guarantee we're gonna to live to 80 or 90. So I'm like, okay, made peace with it. I meditated a lot. I dealt with it as best as I could. Um, I did a couple of rounds of chemo, which after like the third one, I decided it's just too toxic and it's not for me. So against all of my family's wishes and my friends bugging me and pestering me, just power through it and they said, Fight it and that word fight, I have to say, if you're having cancer, you don't want to fight it because it's you. It's your body giving you a wake up call. So you're not gonna fight yourself. You wanna heal whatever the caused it in the first place. So anyway, that's that's where I stand on that word fight. It's not a fight. It's a it's a it's a healing. It's a big healing and you heal whatever has been awry in your system, whether it's emotions or food, or toxins, or chemicals, or crazy living, or whatever, you know, you think you've been off a little bit. So that's what cancer was to me, it was a big healing. And after I stopped the treatment, I found two different women that did different kinds of energy work that was fabulous, and I did acupuncture and my chiropractor, and of course I played my music all the time and had friends over. So it was a long, hard journey. It took a long time, but I've been well now, 11 years. And I personally, for myself, I'm not saying for anyone else, but for myself, if I had continued with the chemo treatments, I know I would have been dead. I know it. It was awful. So it's a hard journey, and for other people facing it or in it, I just really recommend that you make peace with yourself and go from there.
0: Wow. Wow. Wow, that's, that's uh, such an incredible and amazing and inspiring story, Gemma. I mean, I can only uh, imagine what it must have felt like to uh, be uh, uh, told of uh, stage four uh, cancer and then having the the wisdom to make peace with the whole uh, process and not fight it and then seeking uh, alternative uh, ways of uh, healing it and then celebrating 11 years of cancer-free. It's such an inspiring uh, journey. So congratulations and uh, that's really awesome.
1: Thank you. I still go religiously to acupuncture like every other week or every other week sometimes just because I don't want to wait for something else to break. I just want to stay really healthy and so far so good.
0: No, that's uh, such so great. So what I want to uh, talk to you about now is like having seen this ebb and uh, flow of life if you will what's your definition of success and how would you define greatness Mm -hmm.
1: well I think to me success is being able to be happy and content inside yourself no matter what the circumstances are on the outside because they change all the time right one minute you've got to big paycheck the next minute you spend it or something happens and you don't have it and people come and go in your life and jobs come and go so i think that to me success is being able to be really happy inside yourself despite what's going all the fluctuation outside yes and any any thoughts on greatness greatness you're pretty great cal i'll say your greatness (laughs)
0: thank you Uh, but no I I do appreciate and I agree the fact that success is about inner happiness and uh, you know I had a post uh, earlier today where you know if you take care of your inner world the outer world takes care of itself and uh, I could not agree with you anymore so uh, have you uh, now that that you live in uh, Silicon Valley Santa Cruz if I'm not mistaken and so you' lived on the East Coast. you've lived now on the West Coast for many years. Are there any favorite places that you like to travel, or uh, what's uh, what's your favorite place to uh, uh,
1: go to? Well, I love Seattle. It's in my heart. I definitely love Seattle. And as far as places, you know, I, I can't say I've been everywhere in the world yet, but I love a lot of places. I've loved Costa Rica, I love Bali, I love Thailand. There's a lot of places still on my bucket list, but I do love to travel and see other cultures and just meet people of all different kinds of walks of life. I love it. Mm, that's so great.
0: So, uh, Gemma, we're going to switch gears and, uh, and then get into the next segment. And these are the questions that we have received from the audience. And so, uh, the first question I have for you, Gemma, is like, in your opinion, What do you think stops people from achieving their full potential?
1: Um, Well, I can't say for all people, but I'll say for myself and it's probably true for some others is we have a lot of our own self-limiting beliefs And I really believe that that is what stops us Right, because you see videos online, of, you know, I saw one the other day of this young girl who had no arms And she played the piano and sang and she played the piano with her toes so she could have had the limiting belief, oh, I wish I could play the piano, I'll never play, but she let go of that belief. So I think for myself, anything that I'm not really getting done in my life is because I'm afraid to, it's my own imposed belief in my head.
0: No, that's, uh, that's so great. Uh, the second question is, uh, just when you look at life, what is that one big lesson or insight that you have learned about life and you would like to share with our audience? One, huh?
1: Are you like I'm <laughs> learning lessons every day. Okay, here's one that I'm just going to put out there. And I'm realizing this for myself lately. Because life, you can't control other people, you can't control circumstances. And I feel like the pain and suffering that a lot of us have, at least in the first world, probably not in third world countries, but in first world, I think a lot of our suffering comes from our expectations. Like, oh, I really expected to get this job or I expected my boyfriend to behave this way or I expected my neighbor to be quiet after 10 or whatever. And I just feel like our suffering comes from having our expectations not met, not always from the circumstance itself. And I think we place so much onto the expectation and when we get disappointed, it's so painful. So I don't know, that's a lesson for myself is to not really place so much value on all these expectations. You can want something... Yeah, I could want my boyfriend to behave nicely, but it doesn't mean he's going to all the time. So, right. So that, that's just a big lesson for me is about expectations.
0: No, I like that. And as the, the Taoist uh, wisdom uh, goes, uh, it's basically pain is normal, uh, but suffering is optional. And Right. Uh, and that's, uh, that's so good that you reminded us, reminded us of that uh, insight. And also, I believe there's a Tony Robbins quote where he says, uh, you know, when you trade uh, expectations for appreciation, life becomes a miracle. And uh, so that that's so great. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, the next question I have for you, Gemma, is what is uh, what is one book that you've read a lot or you've gifted it to other people and... Or any workshop or seminar that uh, uh, that you would like to recommend to our audience?
1: Um, yeah, for sure. I can't say I've gifted too many of them, but I have told every pretty much everybody I meet mean about this book. It's called The Gene Keys. G-E-N-E Keys. And it's by Richard Rudd. And it's this beautiful self-development tool. I've never found anything as profound as this ever. It's a huge book. I mean, I'm nowhere near getting through it. But um, it's a whole system that he developed, and each chapter is there's all human conditions, and each chapter has the shadow side, the gift, and then if humanity evolves like with the highest one, he calls it the city, and you can go on their website and get a free profile. You write your birth information, and it gives you a map. And then you can go through the book at your own, they give you the numbers, like you might be number three or number five, and you look at that chapter, and it will show you your life's work, your soul's purpose, your evolution, your radiance. There's a whole, um, he calls it the Venus Sequence, it's all your relationships, and what you call into your life to grow. So it's so profound, I've been reading and reading it for a couple years, and I'm always learning something new. So he says, focus ten percent on the shadow and ninety percent on your gift, and really make that change. And the more I do focus on the gift and embrace it, I'm like, wow, this is this is me. I can do this, and I really resonate with it. And pretty much anyone else that I know that's read this book or you know look through it, they they're deeply touched.
0: Great, and uh, we'll uh, include that in the show notes for our audience and. Uh Uh, Definitely, I'll put it on my reading list as
1: well. Sounds like a fascinating book. It's amazing. You'll learn so much about yourself that you might have had in the back of your mind or maybe not really embraced it. But it's pretty profound.
0: And I like what you just said where focus on your gifts and not on the shadow side. Uh, because we as human beings uh, all have our shadows, and the, you know what we focus on expands as they say, and I think uh, that 's such a uh, amazing piece of insight right there uh, to take away. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other question for you, Gemma, is uh, if you let's uh, consider like we had a time machine, and you know it was a hypothetical situ- hypothetical situation here, and if you could go back in time. <laughs> and talk to your young self, your 20 year old self, what advice would you give her?
1: I think to not be scared to do anything that I wanted to do in this world and not be held back by my own limiting beliefs, especially ones that were instilled to me by my, by my father or other ancestors, just to really wipe the slate clean and just do what makes me feel happy.
0: Mm, I like that. It's about uh, getting rid of the programming and then having a clean slate and building something amazing out of it.
1: So. Right, yeah, because yeah, my father would have said, oh, don't do this or don't do that. You need to do this. And I'm like, really, why? Because you say so. If I was born in another culture, I'd have a different set of expectations and suggestions or whatever you want to call it, limitations. So I just feel like, yeah, for my 20 year old self it's like go for it
0: just go for it yeah and again it's uh, it's about focusing on the gifts and not the shadow side i think uh, that's that's really uh, uh, i can i can kind of like uh, sense a through line here from a conversation it's about the gift and not the shadow and it's about not focusing on the suffering but appreciation of the gifts so that's that's so great uh so, Gemma, we're going to move into uh, Change gears and move into our next uh, section, and this is called the Rapid Fire Round. And in this section, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and it's the first response that comes to your mind. It's really a fun section. I uh, don't have to think too much, but if you uh, choose to elaborate on it, feel free to do so. But again, it's a Rapid Fire Round. Okay. So, uh, are you ready, Gemma? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, the first question for you is
1: What rock star has impressed you? Oh, let's see, Bruce Springsteen I don't have to think hard about that one (laughs) He's right there for the people His heart's on his sleeve and he's real Yeah,
0: born in the USA, I like that (laughs) Uh, The second question I have for you is Whose brain (laughs) would you like to pick? Yours (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I'm not sure you're going to find anything in there, but (laughs) you're definitely uh, welcome to do that. Uh, The third question is, uh, if you could be successful in another profession, which would you choose?
1: Um, Well, I would love to be a holistic doctor of sorts, a naturopath or an acupuncturist, somebody that will help people get well with their own body without you know, drugs and crazy things. But anyway, natural healing—I would love it.
0: Mm. Yeah, your uh, your interest and your fascination for health, and I can see uh, why that would be of interest to you. Uh, the next question is: What color describes you best?
1: The color? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm pretty white. Why well,
0: a suntan? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. The <laughs> next the next question is, do you believe in magic? Yes. Hmm. And if God exists, can she be trusted?
1: He, she. Well, God is inside of us. It's an energy. And if it can't be trusted, we're in trouble. That's all I can say. So, yeah, we're here. So I think because we get up every day that we can trust it.
0: Excellent. And if you could ask God one question, what would that be? Why is Donald Trump our president? <laughs> and then uh, the final question I have for you is if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be?
1: Probably kind of along the lines of my philosophy, like be kind to others, be
0: nice, play nice, something like that. Hmm. Excellent. Uh and now we're moving on to a wrap up section Gemma and uh, the one question I have for you here is uh, what is your current personal passion project and what are you looking forward to in the next six months to a year
1: uh, well right now I'm really trying to figure out how I can be of more support to people that are struggling with cancer or that just got diagnosed or they're in the middle of it and I'm, I'd really like to be able to reach out and help more people that are going through that They don't need to just only have the doctor's office pumping them full of chemicals and drugs. I think people need to understand there are options and explore them. So if I can be of support and help people research and help people find alternative suggestions or doctors that practice holistic integrated health, I'm all for that. So that's what I'm I'm really wanting to work on right now for the next few months. I'm gonna see if I can get some support groups going maybe. I don't really wanna do it online, Personally, I'd rather do in person because when you're sick, you you can't hardly sit up. You don't want to look at a computer screen. You don't want to type. You need human contact. That's a huge part of the healing. So that's kind of my goal right now is to figure out how to form some groups and where to hold those meetings and who can come and how do I, you know, get people to get, take care of their own health and heal naturally. That's so
0: great. so inspiring. Uh, Is there anything that I have not asked that you would like to share with our
1: audience? Um, No, I really can't think of it unless, you know, you want to help spread the word and pass my name out to anybody like if aunt so-and-so and and uncle so-and-so has cancer and they're struggling. I'm happy just to be a friend and an ear and to just give encouragement like you can get through it. It's not necessarily a death sentence. And at the same time, you know, we don't know each person's contract with the creator. Maybe some of us are supposed to be here for a short time. Maybe some of us are supposed to be here for a long life. So, you know, you can't step on the toes of that. But, you know, we do have choices how to take care of our own health. Some people might need a little chemo or a little radiation. God forbid, it's disgusting. Um, But, you know, every individual is a complete different scenario. So I wouldn't want to just... Put a blanket idea, but um, there is a lot we can do for ourselves, for sure. That's so great. Um, so, how can
0: people uh, reach you? Is there a uh, website that they can get in touch with you, or?
1: Yeah, I have my design website, which is www.workingart.biz. B-I-Z, and um, you know, you're welcome to look at my design portfolio, send work my way, which would be awesome. Um, and my, I think my contact information is there you can send me an email through
0: my website Great, and then we'll include that in our show notes uh, One other question I have for you, uh, Gemma is what are three things you are grateful for in life?
1: Uh, I'm very grateful for my health I'm very grateful for friends that I've had my whole life I've talked to a gal, I've known her since we were in first grade I've talked to her all the time Lifelong friends and very grateful for nature. I live in the most beautiful place. I can walk to a state park four blocks from my door. Um, so yeah, I'm very grateful for
0: that. That's so awesome, uh, Gemma. I want to acknowledge you for a couple of things. One, that having that positive energy and the enthusiasm with how you uh, navigate life, and really being. Uh, being a beacon of light for a lot of people out there in the community, and the fact that uh, you really teach us how to have fun in life uh, with your salsa dancing and your laughter and joy and and what an incredible inner strength that you have. I mean, celebrating 11 years cancer-free and it's and not just once but twice. I mean, that is such a incredible uh, inspirational. A journey that you've led and uh, the fact that you're helping others uh, in uh, dealing with similar situations and starting uh, looking to start a group to help others it's so awesome that I mean it's it's really uh, uh, I just want to thank you for just being you and uh, being such a positive uh, difference in the community oh, Thank you
1: so much Al. thanks for taking the time to chat
0: uh, my pleasure, and we will certainly include all your uh, site and uh, information and uh, the books that uh, Gemma's recommended on, on the show. And one final question, and this is how we wrap all our interviews: uh, is why do you think people should listen to Wisdom of Friends?
1: Oh, because it's a great opportunity to get wisdom, to learn from other people that have been through experiences that you might not have been. Or you might never been. But, you know, I think we all have a different experience and what a great way to learn about things.
0: Awesome. This, uh, this has been a fascinating interview, as I expected it to be. So uh, thank you again for taking the time and for all your candid answers. I truly valued and appreciated our conversation, Gemma. And for those of us who are listening, with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you liked what you heard... Please share. Don't be shy.
1: Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, theglobalcontribution.com. To your friends and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. This has been a 7 Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.